Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission, to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. It's my time. It's time for my favorite time of the week. Can I spit that out? It is your time. Clark Stinks. Recently, there was a Clark Stinks about my enthusiasm for portable carbon monoxide detectors. And I got some new data on that that indicates I'm not as smelly as maybe you thought in that Clark Stinks post. We're going to talk about that. But right now, without wasting another second, it's time for Clark Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. On a recent show, you launched into your familiar rant about investing with bank-owned investment firms. Never, 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 not ever. But then doubled down when you excitedly exclaimed that there are no exceptions. Clark, you should know better. There are always exceptions. How do I know? Because I am one. I have my needs met with financial planning, investment advisory, insurance advisory, and tax planning provided at an all-in net fee that is comparable to the fees charged by your favorite stepchildren, Fidelity, Schwab, and Vanguard. They're now stepchildren, not my children? I guess. The discount brokers do not offer some of these services, and where they do, additional charges are incurred. In fact, on an apples-to-apples basis, I would offer that I obtain a better value in my bank-owned RIA than I would via the discounters. Does one have to shop? Yes. Does one have to negotiate? Yes. Most importantly, does one need to have an understanding of their needs and goals? Absolutely yes. Honestly, Clark, the service that you offer to people is too valuable to be tainted with information that is patently untrue. And that's from Steve. Steve, thank you. Steve, I mean, I in my head and my heart believe that investing through an investing arm of a bank is dangerous to your financial security and your ultimate financial net worth. Yes. Am I strident about it? Yes. Should I make all-encompassing statements like there are no exceptions? That's a character flaw of mine. The reason I I say that with such emphasis is over and over and over again, if you stood where I stand and you heard the abuses people have suffered from bank-affiliated brokerage operations, you'd understand you're hearing poor out of me is frustration about how these bank-affiliated operations Okay, I'll use a word that you'd be happier with. Generally, rip off their customers, betray their trust by not being fiduciaries, and charge massive fees and commissions. So that's why you hear this from me, because I hear it over and over again. I mean, it was just a few weeks ago that I heard a horrific story from someone who had gone to the investment department of a big bank and had been just totally taken advantage of. Unfortunately, that's not rare. And that's why you hear 
what I've said. Now, if you found one that you're happy with the fees, they're treating you in a fiduciary relationship, you're happy with the package of services, and you've done the research clearly from what you've said, then you're doing the right thing in your situation. I've never heard of having to negotiate fees before. Oh, well, what happens is that the full commission brokerage houses and the bank-affiliated investment operations have price lists of very, 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 very high fees. And if you have enough assets, you can negotiate those, particularly if you're playing hard to get, comparing them to another organization. Clark, you don't stink, but you say that the original Costco is located in Issaquah, Washington. Kirkland, Washington. Issaquah is where the headquarters is. Yeah, that's not true. Their headquarters may be across the street from that Costco, but the flagship Costco is located in Seattle on 4th Avenue South. There's even an original section of the wall with a small tribute in history of Costco. Sincerely, a loyal Costco member. It's not Kirkland? I'm wrong twice in 30 seconds? Well, she did interrupt me. I'm going to say. I apologize. It's okay. I apologize. So, um... <laughs> So let me double down on this. Okay. The Price Club, which is what Costco was created later, the original Price Club is on Morena Boulevard. I think that's how you say the street. In San Diego, just off the five. And uh, I have been there. I have pictures of me standing. I'm sure you do. Doing a pilgrimage. At the original Price Club, started by Saul Price, later they merged with Costco, which is why old-time members may remember your card for a while said Price Costco, and then ultimately became just Costco. But I'm flat out wrong on the first Costco? That's what this loyal Costco member is saying. It sounds like you have some pilgrimaging to do. I do. Yeah, for sure. In Clark Stinks, you discussed how department store credit cards are terrible. Someone wrote in how the Kohl's credit card has a 7.5% discount. I just wanted to clarify that the 7.5% is not a discount. It is a 7.5% rewards program that converts to Kohl's cash to spend in a Kohl's store. Not a direct discount on your purchase. You also have to be signed up for the Kohl's rewards on top of the credit card to get the full 7.5% rewards in Kohl's cash. Target is still the best card to get. Craig. Craig, thank you for that. I must plead ignorance on Kohl's. I don't shop at Kohl's, and I can't remember shopping in one. I may be missing something, but I've, have you ever been in a Kohl's? I've been in one, yep, near my mom's house, but I don't... It's not a normal no, shopping not routine for, me. for you. You smell like a hog on a hot August day. That sounds bad. It's very, very smelly. First, why can't I post Clark Stinks from anywhere in the world without a U.S. phone number, but when I try to post and ask Clark, I need to provide a U.S. phone number? All you need to do is add a widget on your website that allows for a drop-down of international country codes. I'm in Italy, and I know a lot of U.S. expats listen to your podcast. Secondly, why do you never address U.S. expats and the terrible way we're treated by the U.S. government in taxation and especially investing in retirement accounts? Several of my friends have been sent drop-dead letters from their retirement accounts because of the onerous reporting rules that the U.S. government has. There needs to be a fix. Millions of Americans live abroad and pay their taxes but are treated like third-class citizens. We need your help, Ken. Ken, interestingly enough, we had a post last week about this, not on Clark Stinks, but a question on our podcast. And there are 
many millions of Americans, I forget how many million, are living overseas for long-term or permanent, but they remain U.S. citizens. They can vote in U.S. elections. They pay taxes. And there's nobody in Congress on a tax writing committee who's paying any attention to this at all. Uh, I would say that what expats need to do is form their own interest group and maybe even hire a part-time lobbyist because in Washington, let's face it, the politicians don't listen to anybody who's an ordinary citizen anymore. They don't care. They don't relate to us. So it requires organizing and having a lobbyist who's there to represent you. But it is like the most common place I think Americans live outside the United States is Canada. And I've addressed before that the tax problems for an American living in Canada or a Canadian living in the United States, hideously awful. And this is an area with millions of our voters, taxpayers living overseas. You're right, Ken, it should be fixed. On the thing with our form, so, How hard is that to fix? Well, the reason is on the Ask Clark form, we sometimes will send the questions we can't get to to our Consumer Action Center, and they will call the person if they need more information. And so currently, I don't think they're set up to call foreign numbers, but we're going to look into that and see if our phone system that we use can do that, and we'll change the form if that's the case. But Clark stinks. Yeah, we never now, call anyone. I mean, it's funny with calling somebody international, it can be, as cheap as a couple of pennies a minute to several dollars a minute, depending on how you call them, what service you call them on. Right. So, um, and we don't take any information that we wouldn't need. And so that's why we don't put the phone number field on the Clark Stinks form. When providing guidance regarding thermostat temperature, please include a caveat about medications and other life vital things people may have in their homes. While 78 degrees during the summer might be good, economically speaking, people need to be aware that not everything in their home can and should be stored at this temperature. They should check their life vital things such as life critical medications for recommended temperature ranges so that if they choose to set their thermostat to 78 degrees, they're doing so with the knowledge of the potential impact on these things in their home. Beth. Beth, okay. So Beth, what you wrote in is exactly why we do Clark Stinks. Because like any other individual, I have a certain amount of tunnel vision and I see what I see and I would have never, ever thought about a medical need affecting the temperature you would have to have your thermostat on in your home. This is why we do this because there's always other perspectives that one regular guy just isn't necessarily going to see. Clark, I love your podcast and have been listening for about 20 years, but I think you stink worse than your beloved Atlanta Falcons on this one. Stop telling people to use their Roth IRA as a piggy bank for emergency savings. Roth accounts are supposed to be for long-term investing of your future, not a place designed to dip into when you need cash. Come on, Clark. I thought you were all about the long term. By the way, I'll end by congratulating your Falcons on a wonderful first-round draft pick. You are going to love Bijan Robinson, Rob. Rob, thank you very much, and uh, hope springs eternal. It's been a rough ride since 1966 with my Atlanta Falcons. Super Bowl rings, zero. Anyway, you're completely right. So it's a behavioral economics kind of thing that it's hard to get people to contribute to a Roth IRA at all. And the long-term advantages of a Roth IRA are huge. 
So why would I talk about being able to pull out contributions, not earnings on a Roth tax and penalty free? Because it's one of those things that I'm trying to get momentum going in people's lives to put money aside and save money for the future. And the Roth grows tax-free. You spend the money tax-free. And you're completely right that long-term, the advantage of setting and forgetting, putting that money in and letting it grow is life-changing. I'm trying to overcome the people who are afraid to do it because they're afraid the money's locked down forever. What if, what if, what if? Is it a good idea for people to use this piggy bank? No. And so that mixed message from me is for that reason. I'm trying to get people in the habit of putting 500 or so dollars every month into that Roth IRA so that they build financial independence and financial security way down the road, just like you said. You're no Clark Kent and you just might be Clark Vent. Please stop whining about the decision made by Scott Keist to change the name of his newsletter. Scott's Cheap Flights was perfectly fine. It was brief and descriptive. Obviously, by using a more generic name, The New Going, he may be able to sell his company whenever he wishes. If you keep going on about the name, I'm going to scream my head off at the podcast, Cheryl. Cheryl, thank you. And uh, you're right. He should be able to name it whatever he wants. And the fact that I don't like the new name, who cares? Clark, 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 whatever happened to the tagline, spend less, save more, and avoid getting ripped off. Some of us longtime listeners really miss it. Amy. Amy, you got to get it right. It was save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. Why did we stop using it? Because I always I mean, loved it. It is still what we have it on a lot of different things on our website and another. We just don't use it at the beginning of the podcast. So, But that is what we want people to do. I have an idea. Make it the end tagline. How do you do that? Mind meld. I read minds. I can't believe you're like some kind of clairvoyant. Is that what that's called? You know what I did, though? I interrupted you when I just complained about it earlier when you interrupted me. So Chris just stinks. Okay. I wouldn't say Clark stinks, but he's being a little too carefree in his analysis. There was a question about whether electrical vehicle charging would pose a threat to the electrical grid. Clark advised the listener not to worry as 80% of electrical vehicles are charged at night. That is true. However, that means that 20% of electric vehicles are not charged at night. So the remaining 20% could be charged during peak times. The definition of a peak time is when usage is at its highest and any extra charge could be enough to put the demand above system capacity. So although it might not be a problem, it very well could be a problem to add to any additional electrical demand onto the system at peak times. So I don't think it's safe to assume Electric vehicles won't be in some circumstances posing problems to the grid. And that's from Kevin. Kevin, thank you. The example I look at is Norway, where is it 80% of all vehicles now are electric? Some, some giant number in Norway. The big problem people have is finding an available charger when they're on a road trip. Because that's the problem in this country is other than Tesla, we don't have a reliable charging network in the United States. Same issue in Norway, even though almost every vehicle on the road there now is electrical. Nobody's saying they're having problems with the grid. And I guess it's possible that we would have problems with the grid. But so far, that has not happened here. Coming up ahead, I made a suggestion about half a year ago about protecting yourself from carbon monoxide poisoning. Got some strong reactions 
I have an update to that for you coming straight ahead. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. I'm really worried about a silent killer, and that's carbon monoxide poisoning. When I talked about it, that was last year, I guess, it generated some strong reaction. There's two problems. One, with the haphazard staffing of hotels, there's been uh, hotels are having a real problem with labor turnover and getting enough people and all the rest. It's been a problem with proper maintenance in hotels, particularly for hotel pools, it's led to tragic deaths of people from carbon monoxide poisoning. Not just in the United States, the carbon monoxide poisoning at hotels has been in other countries as well. And there's a new report from the federal government that the number of people dying in their own homes from carbon monoxide poisoning, last reported year, all-time record high, the number steadily going up. And so one thing you need to know is this is a problem that is so easy to avoid, it's crazy. I mean, we take as a given about smoke detectors. And every time there's a fire and people die in a fire in a home or an apartment, you then hear the report there were no working smoke detectors in the dwelling. I mean, this is easy stuff to have a smoke detector when you sleep at night. Well, I want to add to that and have a carbon monoxide detector. Smoke detector goes high, carbon monoxide detector usually goes low. I know this is nuts, but recently at Aldi, they had had a cycle where they were selling smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors. They do every spring and fall is one of their Aldi finds. And I was in an Aldi where they did not sell well, and I was able to buy smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors for $4. So I bought everything they had left, and I've been giving them out to people. Because I'll ask people I know, uh, do you have a working smoke detector? And they'll say, no. Here you go. Uh, do you have a carbon monoxide detector? No, never had one of those. Here you go. I've given them all out now except for one that I bought because it's so simple and it's something that means so much to me because I don't want, life is precious. I don't want somebody to lose their life because of not having a working smoke detector or carbon monoxide detector. Why are carbon monoxide deaths rising in residential settings in the United States? Because the power grid is not as reliable as it used to be. It's not because of the power source necessarily, 
It's because of above ground power lines is the main reason for the lack of reliability of the electrical grid today. The thing that happened in Texas years ago was was just horrific and not because of that. There were several causes of that, but generally it's because the increasing frequency and severity of storms, knocking down power lines, people are doing what you've heard me talk about, and that is having at least a portable generator to power up your refrigerator, be able to charge your phones, have some LED lights on, and you don't lose all that stuff in your refrigerator and all that. Well, the portable generators can either be battery-powered, which is what I've got, but most people buy a diesel generator and they will have it in the house or in the garage or whatever carbon monoxide poisoning will come in and kill people that's why we're at a record number of people dying in the united states from carbon monoxide poisoning because the power company won't be providing power to your home for whatever storm reason typically people turn on that portable generator and the carbon monoxide silently kills you now I want you to have carbon monoxide detectors anyway. But if you're running a little portable diesel generator at your house, then you gotta, gotta, this isn't even optional. You need to have those carbon monoxide detectors to make sure you stay safe. And yes, I do travel with my little micro carbon monoxide detector that I take with me to hotel rooms because of the problem of carbon monoxide poisonings and deaths that are, yes, they are infrequent, but if you're the one who died, it doesn't feel so infrequent to you. Okay. Denise in Oklahoma says, what is the best way to get out of debt faster? I have $18,000 in debt. Is it better to use balance transfer for lower interest rates for the payments or use the snowball method and just suck it up for the dumb mistakes that got me into debt? Okay. First of all, please, Denise, do not pick on yourself because you got into debt. Pretty much everybody's been there at some point in their lives. The great thing is you're determined to get out of debt. So uh, snowball is a term that is used frequently. It's the idea that you, and it uh, goes back to behavioral economics, that you take all your debts and you pay minimums on everything except the one with the smallest balance. The idea being that if people feel overwhelmed by debts, that if they go from owing seven people money to six, and then you go to the next smallest balance, and then you put everything you can towards that, minimums towards others, then you go to five, you really feel the progress. Now, Snowball works two ways. You can do that if that would really speak to you emotionally, psychologically, a little bit more effective financially is to do the snowball where you pay the minimums towards everything except the one with the highest interest rate. And your dollars have the greatest impact when you're paying extra against the one with the highest interest rate. But both, as long as you are determined and you're all about paying down that debt, you get there. I don't look at balance transfer as mutually exclusive from doing a snowball because whatever debt you have that's high interest rate, if you can balance transfer it into one with a low interest rate, you've got a target period, typically 18 months at that low rate to get that balance wiped out. 
that as part of the strategy of paying off your debt is great. If you can take like a 25% rate down to uh, 6.9 or 8.9 or 4.9 or whatever 0.9, there's real advantage to you because every dollar you're paying towards it, you have much more going towards principal than interest. The main thing is obviously your head and your heart are about getting out of this debt, and I'm sure you're going to get it done. And I want to hear from you, Denise, when you paid off the last penny of this $18,000. Definitely. Okay, Lewis in Florida says, Clark, is it worth it to buy a new robot lawnmower for around $1,000? Robot lawnmowers. Uh, okay, so first of all, Florida, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a flat lawn. If it's rectangular and there's not a lot of objects in the way, the robotic lawnmowers have proven to be very effective. And they take a lot longer to cut your grass than you doing it yourself. They're very, very slow, but they're very efficient with a flat rectangular yard. If the choice is spending a thousand or paying someone routinely to cut your lawn, then you got a nice return on investment. Uh, you should be able to find one though a lot cheaper than a thousand dollars. For why are you looking at me? Funny? Well, I was looking at them, but what did it you depends. see? I mean, it depends on the size of your yard, for sure, because they, they don't have as much battery life. And, I mean, it looked complicated to set up, too. When I watched some YouTube videos people did about theirs, I was like, oof. And my lawn isn't that expensive to get mowed, so the payback period. You're also not a flat rectangular yeah. yard. And uh, depending on where you live in Florida, you may not have big yard space. So you could, as an alternative, if you're willing to do so, the electric automatic mowers that you are behind them, but the motors run themselves and you can cut a small lawn pretty quickly at a much lower price. But if you just want it to be easy, like Roomba was kind of like Kleenex for Mm -hmm. those, but now there are so many brands. So gosh, they do work, but I would read reviews. And I wonder if Consumer Reports has done a review. Not for a long time I looked. Okay. You could talk to people at a store that sells these and ask them which ones get returned a lot mm-hmm. and which ones seem to go out and stay out. And that might help you figure out which one to buy. And then if you're considering one or a couple specifically, I would look and see if there's a YouTube video of people using them because I think that's probably pretty helpful to see what it really does. Okay. Margaret in Iowa says, let's talk nutrition. You mentioned broccoli as a side comment relating to prostate cancer. As a dietitian, I really believe nutrition is medicine. I know you eat SAD, the standard American diet. You have a far-reaching audience, and I was hoping you could discuss some good nutrition information. And Krista, let me prepare you some Brussels sprouts. (laughs) So, Margaret, thank you. And uh, my eating habits are better than they used to be. They're still, I'd give myself... What did I get myself last time? A D plus, C minus? I don't remember. It's probably where I am. Anyway, I appreciate that very much that you're there spreading the word. It's not just the American diet. I travel around the globe and generally people around the world eat a lot of processed foods, eat a lot of high calorie foods. I mean, people don't eat around the world as well as they used to. 
Well, because I think we've spread the processed foods. You're blaming us? <laughs> and you do eat at McDonald's a lot when you're in foreign countries. I've witnessed that. Am I wrong? The food's good. Yeah, yeah. And it's affordable. I'm not exactly helping my case here. I know. Margaret, I'm sorry. It does cost a lot of money in healthcare, though. It, it's too bad. And it's a very complicated issue. I think, you know, if everybody... You just say to people, eat less and exercise more. Like, that sounds really simple, but it's much more complex than that for so many people. There are some great health podcasts out there. I recommend, actually, if you're really into science, Andrew Huberman from Stanford. He has a podcast called the Huberman Lab Podcast, and it's like, I mean, deep science on specific issues he'll dig into and go and really look at it. And um, he's not trying to sell anything, and I recommend that because I am no expert. So what should we do now? Should we go get some uh, raw sushi? Is that what we should do now? I mean, you know, vegetables are definitely universally considered to be good. You know, high vegetables. Especially raw, right? I mean, I think just vegetables. Let's not get too specific on people. Eat more vegetables and eat more plants and try to keep your sugar low and just try not to eat a lot of inflammatory foods. That's the big problem. I think we're so inflamed What's an inflammatory food? Foods that inflame your body, like processed foods and things like that, like things that spike your your sugar all the time, white stuff, like breads and pastas and all that stuff, like stuff that's not complex carbs. Oh, God, I just totally fell into your trap. Why did I do that? (laughs) See, I mean, did I just not show that this is something you should be doing to Well, I'm a work in progress, and I am always trying to improve my health. So we're going to go do that now, and I hope the rest of your day is great as well. 